That's right, I'm 57. But I just turned 47. I, I just turned 40, and here I am, 57. And I've gone through the numbers. Check the numbers. Yep, I'm 57. You know what's great, though? You know what they tell you? Don't worry about it. 60 is the new 40. Isn't that great? Just deny the numbers. You know what they don't tell you? 61 is the new 78. Some of you are looking at me too going, ah, oh, this guy's kind of old. I get it. I'm reminded all the time that I'm getting older. The other day I got mad at this old guy because he was doing something old guys do, and then I got a good look at him and I went, oh man, went to high school with that guy. <laughs> this will wreck your day, make you feel a thousand years old. You ever get on a website, you have to enter your own personal information, you have to scroll down to your birth year? <laughs> Come on, you gotta be kidding me, really? Oh. I felt young the other day. I was in the grocery store. I was in the produce section all by myself, middle of the afternoon. Then the van from the retirement village shows up. All of a sudden, I'm the youngest guy in that store by about 30 years. I'm in the produce section. I'm the only guy fast enough to tear off those plastic bags. You know, there you go. You're welcome. Have a nice day. One for each of you. Hurry up, please. <laughs> you ever seen the old folks try and snap those bags off? They get 20 or 30 on the floor. mall the old folks at the mall you ever seen the old folks trying to get on the escalator they're standing there trying to time that step coming out and when do you lose that skill does that just happen overnight i mean do you just go to the mall one day and just go whoa that thing is moving right there oh. within 10 years all of the nation's 76 million baby boomers will be 65 or older the most senior among them will be on the cusp of 85. Even sooner, by 2025, the number of seniors is expected to surpass that of children aged 13 and under for the first time, and that's according to the Census Bureau. What lies ahead in the 2020s as society copes with this unprecedented demographic shift? <laughs> well, that's kind of what this episode's about. It's about aging. so. Get on your spectacles, your cheaters, uh, grab your walker, wheelchair, or <laughs> bicycle, and let's go. Let's find out about aging in this dystopian society of ours.
What a drag it is getting old And we have no more old people in this country. No more old people. We shipped them all away. And we brought in these senior citizens. Isn't that a typically American 20th century phrase? Bloodless, lifeless. No pulse in one of them. A senior citizen. But I've accepted that when I've come to terms with it. I know it's here to stay. We'll never get rid of it. That's what they're going to be called. So I'll relax on that. But the one I do resist, the one I keep resisting, is when they look at an old guy and they'll say, look at him, Dan. He's 90 years young. <laughs> Imagine the fear of aging that reveals. To not even be able to use the word old to describe someone. To have to use an antonym. And fear of aging is natural, it's universal, isn't it? We all have that, no one wants to get old, no one wants to die, but we do. So we bullshit ourselves. <laughs> I started bullshitting myself when I got to my 40s. Soon as I was in my 40s, I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, well, I, I guess I'm getting older. <laughs> older sounds a little better than old, doesn't it? Sounds like it might even last a little longer. <laughs> bullshit, I'm getting old. And it's okay, because thanks to our fear of death in this country, I won't have to die. I'll pass away. That gray tsunami, by the way, carries with it a great revenue potential for the entire medical and healthcare industry. And we mustn't forget Big Pharma. Oh, yeah, they're going to have a field day. That's going to be a bitter financial pill to swallow a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down the medicine go down medicine go down just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way corporate america is obsessed with millennials but many healthcare companies are focused on their parents. As baby boomers get older, they're going to require more visits to the doctor. There's just no way around that. There have already been several mergers in the industry that are largely a play on this demographic trend. Expect many other big healthcare firms to try and profit from the graying of America too. If I do any kind of work around the house, I make two noises. One noise when I do the work, and then another noise is about a second later. And it sounds like I'm thinking about the work that I just did. Now I'll show you, and you'll get it. Watch this. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Ah. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Something earlier as uh, I'm getting older, which is uh, which is fine. I'm at I'm at that point where I realize uh, I might need glasses uh, for reading. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so I had to make the hard decision, you know, to uh, stop reading. You know something I've noticed to be a common denominator throughout history is that generations well there's always a gap they rarely if ever see eye to eye well what would our leaving solve i mean with or without protests this country would still have the same problems what problems 
Well, it's the war, the racial problem, the economic problem, the pollution oh, problem. Oh, come on, if you want to nitpick. <laughs> nitpick? Let me tell you something, Mr. Bunker. No, let me tell you something, Mr. Stivic. You are a meathead. <laughs> what did you call me? I'm meathead. Dead from the neck up. Meathead. <laughs> Baby Boomers, greatest generation Got all the money, now we got the vaccination On Saturday Night Live this season An OK Boomer takedown Got a job out of college, no student debt Retirement funded 100% It just sort of encapsulates this sort of whole sense of unfairness Where it's always the Boomers first and their kids last Bruce Gibney, author of A Generation of Sociopaths How the Baby Boomers Betrayed America Says vaccinating the elderly first made perfect sense from a public health standpoint. The challenge is, is that after years of abusive behavior on the part of the boomers, this, this might be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Gibney says the pandemic has fueled a growing resentment of baby boomers, which he marks a bit earlier, those of us born between 1940 and 65, rather than just after the war. It's a resentment among millennials, 1981 to 1996, whose economic prospects have supposedly been sacrificed to help greedy, ungrateful boomers, oblivious to the realities facing the young. The millennials in Generation Z have the Peter Pan syndrome. They don't ever want to grow up. This 2019 TikTok video helped popularize the phrase, OK, Boomer, as a retort to the boomer critique. You're going to mature and you're going to realize nothing's free, that things aren't equal, and that your utopian society you created in your mind in your youth simply is not sustainable. How do real-life millennials respond? Very offended, very offended, because I am a very hard worker. All we want to do is sit around, watch Netflix, or play video games. Like, based on everyone I know, and even myself, I'm not sure where that notion comes from. The biggest thing is, like, we want their things. Like, we want their house, and we want their bank account. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. This is the reason I'm doing this, because we do have a generation that I think we have raised with a great degree of entitlement, where it's like the world owes me a living, and we've picked a, a perfect example story of a kid who says, I want to be a rock star. I say, kid, he's now 40 years old. I want to be a rock star. Uh, and has basically tried to buy fame, has bled his family, his mother and father, for $1.7 million. $1.7 million trying to be a rock star. I mean, he's got the poses, he's got the haircut, he's got everything, but so entitled that he is won't take a job, because it's not rock star job, and it is just such a poser, and it got to the point where he said, my God is Kiss, my God is Gene Simmons. So I said, you know what, he's a friend of mine. I'm gonna bring him on here and let him talk to you about what it takes to get to fame, because it's not what you think. It's not all bright lights and-, and Right, and when you get there, it's not all bright lights either. Here, really, here, oh, the, I wanna know, introduce the audience to, to Chris, who's Apparently on his way. Watch. How many women have you um, had carnal knowledge of? I don't know, four or five hundred. 
Is that part of the rock star lifestyle? Yeah, that's part of the whole love them and leave them, the persona. Fast cars and beautiful women. So I'm like, I can play the drums and I can play the guitar. I want everybody to come and love it all. You know, you're such a jerk. Yeah, well. <laughs> Sorry. I might be a little narcissistic. You're living with your mother. Well, yeah, I like to put um, a spin on everything. Sometimes it's a little bit too much frosting and you need a little bit more cake. What the hell are you talking about? You don't understand the rock lingo? Yeah, I just threw up on my mouth a bit. <laughs> You're living with your mother. I mean, this guy's a rock star, right? I mean, he's got all the poses, got all these guitars. He's living on a twin bed in his mother's house. Oh, uh, ladies, I mean, take note. Yeah. When you get spun by a character like this in a bar, the reality is probably you're, that. You're going home to mama's house. Yeah, if he wants to go back to your place, there's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> take it from Dr. Phil. Yeah, come so let's go to your house because mine doesn't exist. What is the bottom line? What do people need to remember? I mean, it's it's... Because I don't, I meet these people all the time. I don't know how to suck them out of that place. I don't know how to get them out of that dark place. You know, when you when you look at America, people sometimes ask me, you know, what's wrong with America? Look, this is the greatest country in the world. It's the greatest people in the world. But sometimes we forget common sense. Just simple things that we need to remember. Like basically, you just don't reward bad behavior. Just think about that. How commonsensical is that? Just do not reward bad behavior. His mom seemed like a sensible lady. Well, How did she wind up with him? She needed to figure that out $1.7 million ago. <laughs> now she says you are a jerk when she spent all of her retirement money, all of her future. These people are going to have to sell their house and go to work at 70 years old because they've let this ridiculous entitled kid bleed them of all their retirement and all their security in their autumn years. We've got to stop rewarding bad behavior in America. When people don't work and produce, then they need to get kicked to the curb, get a damn job, carry your own weight. It's just that simple. We need accountability. Stop rewarding bad behavior, hold people accountable, make them carry their own weight. It's just that simple. All right, all right, all right. Maybe it's just because we baby boomers are having a tough time transitioning into our later years. We're just afraid to let go of what was in our youth. And that's no more apparent than in the music that's still popular to this day and the artists that still perform. Though up in years, a lot of them are still managing to kick it out and touring. So I guess it's okay to go ahead and get down just as long as you're able to get back up. album and tour to support that album's sales. 
it's the new reality, especially for baby boomer rockers who made a name for themselves in their youth, is that making a new album is hardly crucial. These veteran bands sometimes make new albums. It does send a signal that they're still vital and not coasting on old hits. That's if the album's good, of course. But they don't need to make new albums to stoke interest. It's also true that for rockers, most of their best music is made when they're in their 20s and 30s, so there may be a burst of excitement about a new release, but it rarely sustains. The term often used to describe these groups is legacy bands. What they do is tour. Fans want the old hits. The Who, Elton John, and especially the Rolling Stones have reset the clock in terms of rock and roll retirement. My buddies and me were once wild and free. Now we ain't doing so great. We used to go down and tear up the town, and now we're all in bed by eight. Our parties are fewer. We're sipping in sure. Instead of our glass of champagne Now when we get together We just talk about the weather And all we ever do is complain Cause all my friends have hip replacements Cause they slipped and fell in their garage or basement We're old and pale And our bones are frail Yeah, years ago we were stealing bases Now we spend our time Having wheelchair races, oh, all my friends have hip replacements. God bless you, Since the episode is on aging, maybe it's time we get a clearer definition on just what aging is. Computer, definition of aging, please. Age, the length of time a person has lived or a thing has existed. For the microscopic lab worm, C. elegans, life equates to just a few short weeks on Earth. Compare that with the tortoise, which can age to more than 100 years. Mice and rats reach the end of their lives after just four years, while for the bowhead whale, Earth's longest-lived mammal, death can come after 200. Like most living things, the vast majority of animals gradually degenerate after reaching sexual maturity, in the process known as aging. But what does it really mean to age? The drivers behind this process are varied and complicated. But aging is ultimately caused by cell death and dysfunction. When we're young, we constantly regenerate cells in order to replace dead and dying ones. But as we age, this process slows down. In addition, older cells don't perform their functions as well as young ones. That makes our bodies go into a decline, which eventually results in disease and death. But if that's consistently true, why the huge variance in aging patterns and lifespan within the animal kingdom? The answer lies in several factors, including environment and body size. These can place powerful evolutionary pressures on animals to adapt.
which in turn makes the aging process different across species. Consider the cold depths of the Atlantic and Arctic seas, where Greenland sharks can live to over 400 years, and the Arctic clam, known as the quahog, can live up to 500. Perhaps the most impressive of these ocean-dwelling ancients is the Antarctic glass sponge, which can survive over 10,000 years in frigid waters. In cold environments like these, heartbeats and metabolic rates slow down. Researchers theorize that this also causes a slowing of the aging process. In this way, the environment shapes longevity. There are living things, organisms that live on this planet that make the human lifespan look like a, well, a drop in the bucket. You'll see a lot of these plants. You'll actually find creosote throughout the desert southwest, from Texas all the way to California. Now, creosote's an interesting plant. It's a plant that grows from itself. It, it has seeds and it can grow from seeds, but it has to have very specific conditions in order to germinate. But once it has, creosote bushes have been found that are almost 12,000 years old. Because what the creosote will do, while it starts out like this, eventually it will continue to put out branches. It will in effect clone itself and the center of the plant will die off and you'll get entire circles of creosote. And there's one over by in the Lucerne Valley in California that they've actually dated to 11,700 years, which is about when the creosote bush first came into existence in the Mojave Desert. Now, creosote is one of those plants that has a very specific odor. As I say, it's the, the smell of rain we tend to think of a lot of times. And it's something that is just ubiquitous across the desert. It used to be that people thought, well, it, it must put out some kind of chemical in the dirt and would kill all the other plants around it. In fact, that's not the case. The thing about the creosote bush is it's the most efficient user of water. It puts out the most efficient root system and everything around it doesn't have any water. If a seed falls near a creosote bush, the creosote bush is going to get that water before the seed does. So that's why you'll see creosote bushes not as big clumps, but with space between them as, because they have to have enough space to get the water in. That's how it's happened, living right by the drop. Okay, those are pretty long lifespans, I grant you that, but what organism holds the, let's say, world's record? What is the world's oldest living thing? Uh, it's a tricky question, and the answer depends on how we define living and a thing. First, let's tackle what we mean by a thing. So if we say a thing could also be a clonal colony, then the competition heats up pretty quickly. There are numerous plant and fungal clone colonies that have been around for tens of thousands of years, and they're still barreling along. There's King Clone, the creosote bush in the Mojave. It's almost 12,000 years old. And we can't forget Pando, the gigantic male quaking aspen clonal colony in Utah. He's about 80,000 years old. Incidentally, and this is just between us, he's also the heaviest living thing. He weighs around 6 million kilograms. He's sensitive about it, though, so... But what if we stick to single organisms? If so, then the tiny endolists are strong contenders. These extremophile methuselahs like to, you know, kick back and take it easy. 
For millions of years, they have lived about a mile and a half below the ocean floor with metabolism slower than molasses, only reproducing once every few centuries or millennia. I mean, that makes pandas look like rabbits. So there's a big, let's call it a loophole in the definition of living, and that's dormancy. What if something was frozen in time, trapped in stasis, and then revived like Captain America or, you know, the alien on the thing? In 2011, Professor Brian Schubert published a paper on just that. He discovered a bacteria in what he called a kind of hibernation state inside tiny bubbles of 34,000-year-old salt crystals. So if we allow an organism to take, you know, a, a timeout or some kind of super nap and spend thousands of years in stasis, there are loads of competitors for the title of oldest living thing. There is one other important thing. Some organisms might be immortal. Now, don't get jealous. We're not talking some sort of super sexy, high elf or vampire type immortality. Nope, we're talking about jellyfish. Specifically, Hydra and the Turritopsis dory. The Turritopsis is only about 4.5 millimeters large, but it's capable of something that might be unique in the animal world. After reaching sexual maturity, this thing can revert to its polyp stage. That means it can reverse and reset its aging cycle, rendering it biologically immortal. Imagine yourself just getting tired of being old and then turning into a baby. And the Hydra jellyfish, that doesn't seem to age at all. So all this means that potentially the oldest living organism could, one day, be a jellyfish. But for now, the oldest living, continually active things on Earth appear to be these extremophile organisms collectively called endoliths. At least, that's the current working theory. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, to grow old gracefully. Well... There are some things that uh, don't age well. For instance, uh, right off the bat, milk. How about men's feet? Women's hairstyles? Lettuce? Kid celebrities? Uh, things that are dead? Teeth and cantaloupe? But a surprising number of things get better with each passing year. Take, for instance, blue jeans, leather boots, cheese, wine, antiques, trees, friendships, and, oh yeah, bourbon whiskey. So I'm back here in Kentucky at the Wild Turkey Distillery, and I want to let you in on something. The folks here and I have created a new small batch bourbon, Wild Turkey Long Branch, refined with Texas mesquite charcoal for smoky sweetness. It is my favorite bourbon on the planet. Wild Turkey Long Branch. Real bourbon, no apologies. Sometimes life can be a little overwhelming. Sometimes the weight of the world can be too much to bear. Sometimes you need to stop worrying and take a deep breath. Sometimes you need cannabis. Introducing Brightside, high-quality cannabis delivered right to your door. Brightside offers an extensive menu of strains and products to meet your needs. Choose the experience you want, and we'll send you the dankest herb, the real sticky icky, some top-shelf marijuana. If you like what we send you, keep the whole jar. We'll even include some nugs for you to blaze. As part of Discovery, you'll get to try new strains and products. 
Side effects may include euphoria, increased appetite, uncontrollable giggles, elevated sensitivity to musical doveness, and reduced anxiety. Tetrahydrocannabinol may also induce feelings of existential well-being and relentless optimism. With a Brightside subscription, you can get it once a month, once a week, or whenever you want. All at a price you'll like. And yes, this is a real company. is right for you. It probably is. Keep it bright side. We here at the ABI 1.0 podcast simply love to hear from our listeners. If you have a comment on episodes or if you want to suggest a topic for future ones, drop us an email, voicemail, or visit us on our Facebook page. Gotta run. that certain age where we can finally relax and look forward to a well-deserved retirement. It depends where you live on this globe as to, uh, well, how your retirement's going to go. Being a baby boomer myself, I'm sure my generation had a uh, slightly alternative view of what retirement would be like. There's the fantasy for some. gonna make 30 a mandatory retirement age and we're gonna set up rehabilitation camps mercy centers in every state of the union citizens will report to them after five years at the age of 35 and there in groovy surroundings we're gonna psych them all out on LSD babies and then there's the reality as people deal with higher prices investment firm vanguard says the number of people making hardship withdrawals from their retirement accounts recently hit a record high the irs says people can make these withdrawals if they have an immediate and heavy financial need yeah some baby boomers are going to have a uh, unpleasant surprise when they go to retire if they're able to retire at all some have decided to uh, have a working retirement. Be like the hippies of old, uh, the 60s and 70s, except these wanderlust individuals are in their 60s and 70s. But sometimes they can find a sweet gig. I say, whatever gets you by. This is a couch that turns into a bed. To Darla McLean, 64, and husband Bill, also 64, a former biker and hellraiser, this is home sweet home. Our whole bedroom is done in Levi's. These are all my old pants. The McLeans have been living in an RV since 2010, after the Great Recession sank their L.A. motorcycle repair shop and their home. We had a $700,000 house. 
that we owed about uh, 200000 on that sold for 131 On the auction block. Broke, the McLean sold what was left and hit the road. I mean, it was that or rent an apartment and get jobs locally, but there were no jobs. So they drove to where the work was. Our first job was Amazon in Coffeyville, Kansas. A two-month stint in the warehouse, holiday rush. It was pretty rough. They expect certain numbers and you have to hustle. Bill over-hustled. He blew his knee out. I don't normally walk at 60 miles an hour pushing a heavy cart going around 90 degree turns. Amazon was the first of some 20 seasonal gigs. When we first met them last fall, the McLeans were parked across from a Las Vegas Ikea to peddle pumpkins and then Christmas trees. With us, we have what we call wheel estate. We just, we just take the covers off, lift the levelers, fire it up, and we go where the economy is good. Tens of thousands of retirement-age Americans are migrant laborers or work campers, driven by economic necessity and wanderlust. This is Judy Arnold's fourth year work camping. She's been tending a store in Yellowstone National Park since June. It wasn't very busy at first, but as time went on, it got busier and busier until we have more people now than we have had in regular seasons. People were just tired of being cooped up at home, and they thought, let's go to, you know, the parks. More sightseers drawn away from COVID and back to nature means a lot more work for a work camper like Arnold. I'm doing the work of three people right now. The pandemic has driven an awful lot of Americans onto the road. But the number of mobile living, gig-hopping work campers has been growing for years. Every January, hordes convene in Quartzsite, Arizona, the site of an annual RV show. That's where we met 66-year-old Susan Otteros. You end up in these really neat places, like Yosemite. Otteros works as a camp host, main tasks, checking in campers, and, if you're up for it, cleaning. I don't do the bathrooms. <laughs> My boyfriend does the bathrooms. I collect the money. <laughs> Mitch Craighead drafts camp hosts for a thousand trails campsites. How many 75-year-olds do you recruit? More than you'd expect. Baby boomers are retiring. The pool of workers that we're hiring for is growing dramatically. That was in January. The company declined to give us specifics, but Mitchell says campgrounds are busier than ever these days. We've always looked at ourselves in the camping industry as the original social distancing. And a lot of our new customers are telling us just that. We've seen a significant spike in reservations um, for the remainder of the camping year this year. At the RV show, work camping veterans Rick and Tammy Womack moved into their motorhome nine years ago after their son died by suicide. We started out with what we call our journey for Joshua, which was to honor our son. But the reality after about three years was it's expensive to live on the road. You need new tires. Maintenance costs are high. And big campers get just seven miles a gallon. So for the past seven years, they've worked the North Dakota sugar beet harvest. I didn't even know what a sugar beet was. Well, I thought sugar came from sugar cane. Yeah, because where I come from, it does. You know, dip the crystal. But instead, 55% uh, of our sugar comes from sugar beets instead of sugar cane in the country. Muddy 12-hour shifts at $14 an hour plus overtime until the beets run out. Some nomad gigs pay a lot more than that. Ms. J transports RVs from manufacturer to dealer and sees the country. I can pick the jobs I want to take to go see various destinations. So if there's an RV that needs to go to Florida, which I have done this, delivered in Miami, 
I went on over to Key West. And how much do you get paid for that? I would say somewhere between 60 and 75. That's 60 to 75 thousand dollars a year driving four days a week. These days, RVs are selling like hotcakes, but Ms. J is sitting out the pandemic in a tiny house in Georgia until next year. Cases are up, especially for, you know, certain communities, communities of color. And I'm I know quite a few of people who have been affected. And so I, I just kind of choose to lay low until things kind of, you know, simmer down a little bit. <laughs> can you afford to? I can. I've been doing this pattern over a number of years where I was able to financially prepare myself for the what ifs. And this is one of those what ifs. Back in January, in the big tent, there were hawkers of tire pressure monitors. RV window cleaners, orthotics, we reconnected with Bill and Darla McLean, who'd driven here from Mexico, where they go for affordable health care. Shrimp tacos are killer. <laughs> we have a great pharmacist down there. We get glasses and our teeth worked on. I don't know why, how they can charge so much for stuff here that you can go right down there and get the same thing for a fraction of the cost. But the McLeans were at the RV show for a gig to sign up other work campers as oil field gate guards. You have to man the gate 24 hours a day. Um, they pay 150 a day for that. Now look, work camping obviously isn't for everyone. Does this interest you? No, not at all. And why is that? Because I retired for a reason. I don't want to go back to work. But Bill and Sandy Collins like what they heard. They work camp, helping fund their wanderings. We work um, Adventureland, then we go to J.C. Penney's, and then Doing what? Uh, working in the warehouse at J.C. Penney's. Even in bankruptcy, J.C. Penney's warehouse is still running, and as at Amazon, you have to step lively. On Thursday, I walked 23,355 steps. According to 72-year-old Bill's smartphone, that is. And as long as I keep doing it, then, then I think my health is going to stay a lot better than, than I would if I sat down. That's one of the appeals of work camping to George Stoutenberg. I can't see myself stopping work. I can't do nothing. What, what is nothing? You sit around and what, wait to die? That's not me. But he also needs the money. It's not like we're broke, but we're certainly not, you know, millionaires. We can't afford to just travel the world and do whatever we want to do. That would be a wonderful thing, but it's not my life. Judy Arnold's current Yellowstone gig has kept her more than busy, but when it ends in October, she isn't sure what she'll do. There's a huge population of us that are still in limbo, wondering if there is a next job to go to. And a lot of my coworkers, where they normally go, the places aren't open. So I'm definitely worried because I definitely need an income. As for Bill and Darla McLean, they've been parked outside their daughter's house in Arkansas for several months, making repairs to the RV. I think for the most part, uh, we've been surviving and trying to just get through this like most people are. It is a little weird for our viewers. I know that for a fact. Uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to find it's a place. It's not really that we can't travel. It's just once you get where you're going. And where do you stay? I reached down to the front seat and said, now here's something special. It's just been waiting for a night like tonight. Oh, it might be. A little dust on the bottom, but don't let it fool you about what's inside. It might be a little dust on the bottom, but it's one of those things that gets sweeter with time.
We're not in a rush to be most popular. Not in a rush not to be. Real bourbon, no apologies. If it's for you, you'll know. Ah, thank you. Wild turkey, it'll find you. Seven million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. The older I get, the more I think. You only get a minute, better live while you're in it, because it's gone in a blink. And the older I get, truer it is it's the people you love not the money and stuff that makes you rich and if they found a fountain of you i wouldn't drink a drop and that's the truth funny how it feels i'm just getting to my best years yet heard of the importance of staying fit and exercising as we age it keeps us limber and that's all well and good I'm all for it I even do it myself I ride a bicycle quite often but I have to admit it, there's a great deal of luck involved in getting older uh, yeah sometimes physical fitness has nothing to do with it The entertainer Dick Van Dyke, uh, he's known to be in fairly good physical condition for a 97-year-old. That's a milestone birthday. Besides Mary Poppins, he's known for a few things, especially for having a couple of cars in his life, one of which may have prevented him from celebrating such a milestone. And if not for the quick thinking of a stranger, well, let's say this, he might have been toast. It's talking to us. Orange is talk. What's it saying? It's saying, 
decisions that need to be made as uh, people get older and that is a, here's a sticky situation like when to take away the car keys oh when does the danger far outweigh the independence enjoyed peggy mcwilliams who's in the early stages of alzheimer's needs to know if it's time to hand over the car keys driving for her and for so many others means independence she and her husband ron have come to the university of tennessee for help 
where driving simulator tries to detect signs that early Alzheimer's is making a driver unsafe. One of the protocols that we have, we have dogs and even children run into the street uh, uh, suddenly and see how people react to that experience. Early dementia can make it difficult to drive. The first sign is often a person has trouble staying in their lane. Left-hand turns can be especially difficult. But the American Academy of Neurology today issued new guidelines and cited data showing that 76% of those with mild dementia can still pass driving tests and be safe on the roads. Given the positives of driving, they are now recommending a diagnosis of early dementia not be an automatic cue to stop. Driving cessation is associated with uh, increased depressive symptoms in patients, um, and it actually has effect, can have an effect on their life expectancy. It puts a lot, a lot of strain on caregivers. In deciding when to stop driving, the Academy believes several factors need to be considered. From the opinion of a doctor to that of a caregiver, to the person's driving record. But others say, why take the chance? The last thing we want is to wait until there's an accident and then say stop driving. So how do you know when it's time to take action? Peggy McWilliams and her husband are facing this challenge together. The worst feeling that I could be left with is causing an injury to someone else. Sometimes when she goes into town and maybe I stay at home to do some things, I worry a little bit about it. And worry by a caregiver, say experts, is actually the most proven indication that it's time to take the keys away. Such a difficult subject, but here's one really helpful tip I heard today. It's called the grandchild test. If you have children and you're afraid to have them drive in the car with grandpa, grandma, it's time for the grandparents to stop driving, Diane. Now, Miss Daisy, you need a chauffeur. Lord knows I need a job. So why don't we just leave it like that? I began to ponder, wonder what all the baby boomers, myself included, coming to retirement age in a short span of time, how much is that going to cost? Well, I took whatever data we had and I sent it over to our think tank for analysis. Yes, we have a think tank. Uh, I think. If there's 25% divided among the five of you, that's 14% apiece. Oh, no, listen, Pa. I, I wouldn't cheat you. You know I wouldn't. Now, look. Look here. I'll show you. Let me rub this out here. And now, 25 divided by 5 is 5. You see, 5 won't go into 2, will it? No. But 5 goes into 25. Five times, you see? No, you're wrong, Billy. Now, now, I'm pretty good mathematician. Now, five into twenty-five. Five won't go into two, will it? No. But five goes into five once. Now, we didn't use the two before, so we bring it down here. Now, five into twenty goes four times. There you are. Five into twenty-five. No, look, Pa, uh, let me prove it to you now by multiplication. Uh, five times five, five times five is 25. Well, I'm surprised you're learning. Huh? I'm surprised that you're learning. Now I'll show you. Five times 14 is 25. Five times four is 20. Five times one is five. 
The figures are a little iffy, but let's say an additional six trillion might cover it, and that's just if everything stays the same. I think that's a lowball figure myself. Believe it or not, after years and decades of worrying about overpopulation and a population explosion, we're now facing the opposite, a population implosion. Dr. Grace Whiting, the president and CEO of the National Alliance of Caregivers, says that the mismatch between old and young will have implications across the coming years. We aren't having enough children to take care of us in our old age, she said. Look at my family. My in-laws was one of six children. My husband and I were one of two, and we don't have kids. Extrapolate that out, and that's what's happening nationwide. I know companies like Sony, Honda, Boston Dynamics here in the United States, and many other tech companies are working on a solution to that shortage of healthcare workers that's looming. Healthcare and companionship, batteries not included. Olga Robertson has lived in her house for 57 years. With a large Italian family, including two daughters and grandkids, Robertson's home has a lot of memories. I'm here by myself most of the time, but um, I feel comfortable here. That's why I don't want to go into a home or anything here. But despite being a spry 88-year-old, Robertson has an in-home caregiver who visits every day. She helps me do a lot of things. She'll take me places like to, to my doctor's appointment. She even does word puzzles with me. In March, to supplement her home care assistant, Robertson was given the opportunity to try Rudy, a robot designed by Anthony Nunes, CEO and founder of INF Robotics, a Northern Virginia startup. Hi, Anthony. How are you doing today? Nunes hopes Rudy will help prolong seniors' independence. He built in features where caregivers, emergency responders, or family can check in remotely through a Skype-like interface. Oh, there you are. Hi. And steer Rudy through the home and search for the senior. Here we go. And as with any technology, there is a learning curve. Nunes created Rudy because of what he witnessed growing up. My grandmother fell down when she lived alone up in Rhode Island. I landed up her losing her independence. Um, she landed up moving into my home, and as a teenager, I watched my mom uh, take care of her. And I 
kind of saw both sides of it at an early age. I wanted to do something about it because I know that situation is not uncommon. But Nunes and his creation Rudy have a sense of humor. Rudy can tell jokes. My first job was working in an orange juice factory, but I got canned. Play games. Right. Go. And he can dance the jitterbug. But for Robertson, the best feature is companionship. You can talk to him all day, and he responds to you with a good to have somebody to have a conversation with. Let's put it that way. A Brigham Young University study showed that when it comes to the impact on lifespan, loneliness is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Other robots, such as Peril Robot Pets or LEQ, are similar to Ruby, providing companionship or relaying information between seniors and their caregivers. Cliff Glear, CEO of Sankura, a non-medical home care agency, is one of the early adopters of Rudy. Older adults that uh, live alone, having a robot overnight is less expensive than having a real caregiver stay awake and sit by their bedside. At $100 per day, Glear offers Rudy in conjunction with his home care services, using Rudy to check in on seniors through video chat. But we here at the office will check into the home up to three times a day and more if need be, check in and make sure everything's okay. Have you taken your medications? Um, have you gotten up and walked around? Do you want today? Do I? <laughs> Thanks. We're checking in without having to drive over and send a caregiver in uh, to ask those basic questions. Some evidence suggests that nothing replaces the human touch, but because recent generations are having fewer children, there could be a shortage of people who will be available to care for the growing senior population. Rudy. With four prototypes in use in the Washington, D.C. area, and more on back order in New York, San Diego, and Boston, Rudy is an example of how robots could become a part of caring for seniors. Welcome to the future, human slave! <laughs> ah, relax, chum. I'm not really a giant fly. I'm a horrible robot! Kill all humans! <laughs> Dear God, he's having a heart attack! Eh, they'll probably find a cure for that in the future. We have a cure for it now! Oh, good. Then you won't mind if I use this. I was thinking about how to end this episode. You know, maybe with some words of wisdom. After all, with age comes wisdom, right? <laughs> yeah. A lot of times, that isn't the case. If you can't find wisdom in your own generation... It's okay to pull from others. You know, uh, wisdom is not period specific. To the younger generations, you know, you could learn a lot from the older generation. Uh, you could at least not repeat our mistakes. And uh, after all, you will be in our place someday as well. To my fellow boomers, I say wise up. Start practicing patience and understanding after all you were young once yourself so what if you're thought a fool for opening up and listening to others especially younger or older <laughs> after all there's no fool like an old fool for abi 1.0 podcast i'm your host terry thompson 
See ya. I ain't as good as I once was. I got a few years on me now. But there was a time back in my prime when I could really lay it down. And if you need some love tonight, then I might have just enough. I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was.